Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hello, Mr. Egan. How are you, sir? We finally are getting through this long, dreary winter, and man, has there been a lot going on since the last time we visited, isn't it? Uh, it's been uh, schnutz, uh, to say the least. Um, it hasn't been dreary out here, man. This California. Oh, wait, I shouldn't talk it up too much because everybody will be moving here. It's horrible. <laughs> Don't come out here. <laughs> so 65, 70 uh, degrees sunshine and the shirt sleeve weather and, and all the rest of that. It's horrible. You hate it. You wouldn't want to come out here. Yeah, but, don't uh, miss anything but taxes. <laughs> okay, the taxes, the property values, the insane politics. Um, I didn't want to go there. You just have to like pretend that that doesn't exist, and the weather's great, you know. Oh yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're actually podcasting from the new uh, West Coast SUS News office right here on Second Street in Old Sacramento, and uh, right. as I moved into new digs, didn't you? I did. So we're we're right next door to the, as I told you, the Pony Express stop. So the checks I'm hoping are going to get here faster. It hasn't come to fruition yet. They're still taking a long time to get here. Um, but you know, there's hope. I'm holding out hope. Um, let's see what else is going on. Lots of stuff going on in the news, of course, and uh, other things besides just the news. Um like the NPRM and, you know, I know you've been out there working the ECOA thing. So we have a lot to discuss and uh, I don't know where you want to start, but uh, where do you want to start, Gene? Well, let's, let's go ahead and knock off the big one. I think that uh, the NPRM coming out was probably the, the, the biggest thing coming up and you, you and I have discussed it a little bit here, but, uh, and I, I think we have somewhat of a differing view on it. But um, the one thing that I've got to, to say about the whole thing is that uh, it was a gift. It it, it was I, – I don't really know how to take it. Maybe it's the cynic in me coming out, but this was completely – diametrically opposed to everything that we have seen and heard and felt and and experienced with the agency – for the last 10 years. And when this came out, it was just, it was like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> well, I agree with all of that. It's kind of funny that you say that. There's, 
you know, we get, I get feedback from the community because I'm on the phone all the time. I, too, have a cell phone and a pen. And so I uh, <laughs> I get a lot of uh, feedback. And, uh, you know, I thought the same thing. People are like, oh, you know, what do you think about the NPRM? And I'm like, well, gift, total gift compared. I mean, I was on the arc. And compared to, you know, 1,500 yeah. feet laterally and all the rest of that stuff, um, yeah. you know, this is actually viable. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting, the people that are newcomers to this say, oh, my God, it's so restrictive. People that have been here for a while are like, oh, my God, it's so progressive. So, <laughs> I will, you know, in between that, there's different camps. You know, there's a camp of people who believe that the rule is out, that the NPRM is the rule, and they're out there flying. Oh yeah, like, yeah. That's that's not the case. <laughs> no, but you know there is that camp, and then there's another camp, the other camp that thinks, oh, okay, well, it's a slam dunk. Those are going to be the rules. I'm just going to go operate like that now, um, and it, there's no enforcement from the FAA. They're not going to enforce any of this stuff, so I'm going straight ahead. You know. Then we got the other camp. There's some of the I would call mainly from the old guard and the the safety minded folks are like, mm, wait a minute. This is a little too liberal. Fifty-five pounds and a hundred miles an hour <laughs> might be a little uh, might be a little much. I'm kind of in that camp. Um, you know, I'm not. Uh, my, I, let me just say, I don't have to sign off on this deal. So, you know, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Um, I think it's a it's a little much. What do you think, Gene? Yeah, uh, the the fifty-five pounds. I I've always said take an eight-pound chicken and, you know, throw it down your stairway and let it hit you and see if you like that. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be fun at 55 pounds if it just if it fell on you. So it, it's going to be some substantial damage there. And, and the one thing that I would like to point out, I have visited with the FAA. I've, I've actually been invited to their offices a couple of times, believe it or not. But um, uh, the, the enforcement part of it, they fully intend to start stepping up the enforcement end of it. So flyer beware. If you're out there doing it, they are going to kind of step that up. So don't be surprised if you don't get your little uh, greetings and, you know, via email or however they deem to uh, address you. But I think it's going to happen. Well, I'm the last Pony Express job. <laughs> the last one now, huh? Well, that's right. This is where it ends, right up, right downstairs over here. So, you know, you can send me my cease and desist from St. Joe all the way to Sacramento. And I'll, I'll be waiting down there for it. Or there's a telegraph machine down there, too, you know. Or fax me. I think they have a fax, too. There you <laughs> go. On, on, on old ways of corresponding. Um yeah, I you know the enforcement thing is stepped up. Uh, there are people that have been told to take down their, you know, YouTube videos and all the rest. You know, I I don't even get caught in all that stuff. I, I really don't have time. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. The other thing is is uh, talking to people. Oh yeah, that rule. You know, the people that do think the rule is going to be out in a year. We're going to be flying. It's going to be great. You can have a great time. Uh, you'll be making money hand over fist. Uh, have a nice day. Eh. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I, I do have to hand it to the FAA. Total 180 from what I thought, um, you know, kind of leads into the other subject with the small unmanned systems business expo. Jim Williams will be speaking there. Again, we have top tier folks. I mean, 
you know, if it, if it wasn't my show, I wouldn't sound like I was tuning my horn so much, but uh, there's no point to even go to any other symposium besides the small unmanned systems business expo. You want to hear from the top tier folks it's right here. So he's, he requested an hour and this is going to be at the end of April. So, you know, he wants to uh, answer questions um, and talk about uh, issues relevant to this community. So I had a great chance to talk to, uh, you know, the guy at the FAA who, who put this stuff out. <clears throat> it will be too late for comments, really, at that point, but uh, I think we'll get a good, you know, feel for what came back, and um, I'm sure that ought to be interesting, the comments. Um, I know there's been a lot of hand-wringing from from our side, or let's say the the proponents of the technology that it's too limiting and we need beyond visual line of sight, and yada yada. And I'll have to say that I was really surprised that some people that are considered like industry leaders and you know in the know and all the rest of that were wringing their hands about beyond visual line of sight. You you, you didn't uh, you weren't under any illusion that beyond visual line of sight was going to be in the same PRM, were you, Gene? Not even one iota. Uh, there, we've of course been, you know, like you say, since Arc One, the the beyond line of sight has always been a contentious issue, and uh, it's going to continue to be. And we're still talking about instrument ratings and uh, DREs and and the the whole design review thing and certification. So, you know, that that one has not slipped away and it's not going to, I don't believe. No. And uh, so when I heard people going, oh, well, this is disappointing. And, you know, I I was shocked. It's like, you you know, you knew better than this. If you didn't know better than that, you've been asleep at the switch for the last, you know, I don't know, eight years, six years, whatever. Anyway, I mean, I am in on on the Beyond Visual Line of Sight action team that the FAA stood up. And I really can't talk about it, but I will say this, that the SharePoint uh, only works with Internet Explorer. (laughs) And. Wow, and uh, Microsoft just announced yesterday Internet Explorer is going to die. So, mm, interesting. <laughs> well, I think, you know, what I'm using it as is kind of a, um, you know, it's funny as people always talk about technology. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Mac guy. Everything I have is Mac. And we won't go there. I'm not going to go out and buy that the watch because uh, I don't even go there. <laughs> but let me just ask you, would Steve McQueen wear that? No. He would not wear that. He wouldn't be caught dead on that wearing that watch. But uh, besides all of that, uh, I think it kind of shows people that, you know, where the government is on technology. You know, um, that's what Indeed. that meant. So don't think that common sense is going to prevail and, you know, you're going to come up with uh, some software that the FAA is going to sign off on because they're still working on Internet Explorer. <laughs> Whatever. That's just a side note. Now, the other thing is, is getting into the airspace beyond visual line of sight. Um, some of us over here at SUS News put together a white paper for NASA UTM, and uh, the IKO has put together a group that is called SARP. Don't know what the acronym SARP stands for, but uh, everybody's working on this, getting into the NAS and doing beyond visual line of sight operations. Um, and as stated in the white paper, there's, you know, and this kind of goes with the airspace integration timeline. I did send you a copy of that, right, Gene? Uh, I did. And, and just as uh, to fill you in a little bit, SARP is, stands for Standards and Recommended Practices. Okay. 
So we're gonna. I'm still working out on that deal too. So I sent in this white paper and who's gonna hold the copyright. But before that all gets worked out, I figured we better publish it so people can see what's up or where we're where we're <laughs> standing on that. <clears throat> you know, you gotta act quick around here. So my thing is, is really, if you look at the integration timeline, now there's some some good stuff in there, um, and we'll get into that in a second. But the uh, white paper and what I contend is. Look, until we do the uh, visual acuity study and the kinetic energy studies, the really the rest of it is kind of uh, superfluous. Even with the NPRM, everybody, oh, you know, you got to make your comments, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to tell people what you think. You know, uh, if we, if this industry had real leadership, which we don't, I'm, I'm sorry. It's and again, I keep talking to people, and they go, "Wow, oh, you're you know you're kind of cynical." It's like these aren't you know this isn't these aren't my <laughs> like feelings or you know I've come up with this stuff for what I think. These are the facts, and the facts are that we don't have leadership. If we had leadership, the leadership would already be have invested in doing some of these studies. And when the NPRM came out, they'd be like, "Oh, okay, well, you know, we did this study on visual acuity." We did this study on the kinetic energy. We had it QAQC with this group called NASA. We'll do public-private partnerships. Yes, it cost us a few hundred thousand dollars, but now the NPRM is here. So we don't really have to base our, let's say, comments on conjecture and feelings. We can base it all on facts. Hey, and that would be like what a concept. I'm, I'm you, you know, got to try something new. Now, that goes back to the timeline. You know, this only started in 1992, you know. So, you know, I figured we got to mix things up, try something new, you know, a little science. I don't know, um, you know, there's a scientific method. And I think if we did that and we made the comments based on the science, then we could talk about hardware, software, firmware for, you know, uh, sense and avoid so we could do beyond visual line of sight in the NAS. Kind of funny, most people don't want to invest the money in that. They just want to sit around and wring hands and you know go on junkets or whatever. I don't know what they want to do. Anyway, keep your feelings for Valentine's Day. Show me the data. You know That's what I want to see. And I think we'd be in a lot better position. What do you think, Gene? I agree. And, you know, and I don't understand what happened to that because back in 2005, we were, we were asked, to do some frangibility studies, you know, can you run a spectra through the windshield of a Cessna? And uh, we got some plexiglass, and you know, we got out there in the field and had a good time, you know, flying our spectras at the at the plexiglass, and it just kind of went away. I, I don't know why, because it just seemed logical to do something like that. But uh, somebody lost interest, I guess. Well, you know, um, it kind of goes back to, you know, what I was saying in the integration timeline. I mean, there was, there's actually been some work that has been done, um, but where, what happened to this data? Where, where did it go? Um, what, what, did, what did everybody do with it? You know, I, I, I think that the, the timeline um, kind of shows that some of this work has been done, but, you know, where is it? And really what we should do, the other thing that I think we should do is, uh, as an industry, again, if we had some, um, you know, leadership 
is probably go out here and build some kind of case for all this information and do have some kind of kick butt report. You could say, bring it to Congress and go, here's everything that's been done. Here are the findings. Here's what we did. We reviewed all of this. These are the recommendations based on the work that's been done and the data that's been collected and the science that's been done. And this is what we want to do. What I repeatedly see, and again, I think people think that I'm kind of cynical, but I see people get up in front of Congress. I see them talk to their Congress people or whoever, wherever, get on the news and talk about how they feel about things or what they think is going on or what they think this market's going to be or how they feel about, you know, what drones can do and all the rest of this stuff. That means nothing as far as I'm concerned. Those are those are just stories you're going to go tell somebody uh, and, and maybe they'll listen and maybe they won't. Maybe you shelled out fifty, sixty, hundred thousand dollars to get your message out there. But again, it's just it's just wasted uh, a wasted effort. Am I being too cynical, Gene? I, I you know Patrick, don't hold back. I think you should just let it all out, bud. Uh, yeah, that that was pretty good. Well, that's just where we are. And again, it's a leadership thing. You know, I've talked to people. <laughs> there's different groups. People say, oh, you know. Uh, we we need uh, we need to start a new group. Blah blah blah. We oh this guy. Ooh yeah. uh, ooh I, ooh you know. And uh, I'm like, you know, I, I'm not seeing. Um, you know, I'm not seeing that. I will say, you know, who I think is uh, who the type of let's say if it's not him, the type of guy we need. And I'm going to put it out there because everybody goes, oh, is it is it Patrick Egan? I don't know that I'm good for the leadership position because I'm too realistic. But the dude that I think is the dude uh, that is the president of the Consumer Electronics Association, Gary Shapiro. There's some video. I don't know if I caught him at CES. The dude's sharp, man. He's polished. He got out there. He didn't really know anything about drones. He didn't call it killer technology. He didn't say it was military. He didn't say any of that. This dude is polished. He's smooth. You know, and I'm sure at CEA, uh, you know, they're paying him a lot of money, but he's worth it. So that's the kind of guy we need. We don't need some hack. We don't need somebody that doesn't know, you know, what they're talking about or is not polished, can't talk to the media, can't talk to uh, elected representatives. I mean, uh, CEA, a lot of what they do is advocacy work. I think we'd be yeah. uh, better off to throw in with those cats and say, hey, you know, we, we need – because, you know, by and large, a lot of these are consumer electronics products. I think we'd be better throwing in with them than horsing around with the Hellfire guys or horsing around, you know. Just the other groups that are coming to, uh, let's say, bubbling up that want to be the UAS guys, it's, it's, it's laughable. Not to be mean, but, you know, i got to watch what kind of – what clown cars I get into. Anyway. <laughs> You know, I don't know. That's where I'm at on this deal. And I think, if, you know, it's time for a change. It's time for some real leadership. So hopefully we'll get that. I, I think it's going to happen. I think some uh, some people are waking up, taking notice and, and saying, hey, you know, we, we have to do something here. I will say I don't want to deride everybody because I do think, you know, the small UAV coalition, I, I have to hand it to them. They've been here for six months uh, or a little bit longer, plus, we'll call it. You know, they told me, oh, we're going to get the uh, White House to say this, and we're going to get people to do this, and then we're going to get meetings on the Hill, and we're going to do that. And I was like, okay, well, show me. Because, you know, Gene, you've been here long enough. How many, how many blowhards have we heard come in and say they were going to do everything, crack this open in 10 minutes and, and, and do all of that? 
Uh, I stopped counting at 182. <laughs> He's got. He was ticking him off. He had a piece of paper next to the computer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, how many times? Oh, you know, I'm just, I got to make one phone call to you know Senator Bag of Donuts, and this thing is going to be. It'll be over. You'll be flying. Um, not so much, but. Um, I will say, you know, the White House did say something. I know that the Small UAV Coalition, um, you know, went out there, and I heard, you know, there were meetings all over the Hill, people from the drone industry, talking to these senators, congressmen, whatever. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what we want to do, yada, yada, yada. So wide exposure. And so, my, you know, my, I got to give credit where credit's due. It's not all uh, bad over here. But it does confirm what uh, I was saying about AUVSI and its poor leadership. Just had years and years and millions of dollars and nothing happened. You know, uh, very disappointing. But on the, on the other hand, I think it kind of confirms what I've been saying all these years. It's too bad we couldn't get AUVSI to turn around. I think they're in desperation mode right now. I don't understand how you can have a, um, a show where you've got, you know, a weapons contractor with a $50,000 UAV sitting next to a, you know, commercial guy that's got a $1,000 UAV. I don't see how that There does seem to be a dichotomy there. That's uh, going to be interesting to see how that works out at the, uh, I guess it's the show in Georgia. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a good one. And, and they have lost some people, too, that, uh, you know, needed to go. But, uh, again, we just don't see any replacement as, uh, you know, as dynamic as, as needed. No. And, uh, you know, even the leadership that's out there still taking their marching orders from the old leadership who's signed on as a consultant. It's just it's a, it's another travesty. Um, I think they're in desperation mode. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just can't see those two models working, though. I mean, if I was the guy with a $50,000 UAV and I'm paying $50,000 for a booth and I got the guy next to me with a $1,000 UAV that can almost do the same thing. Hey, uh I don't know how that's going to work, but, you know, <clears throat> I don't have a degree in economics, so I don't can't say that, you know, I got that all worked out. Anyway, um, moving, moving on from that, I do think, uh, you know, if, if you look at the timeline and the years, um, you know, you remember when we got into this thing, people were talking about, uh, like when I was in the ARC, I remember people saying, wow, geez, well, we didn't, you know, the AC-9157 thing, we didn't really, uh, we didn't know what RC Hobby was doing. And this is like in 2008, which is not the case, because if you go back and you look at the timeline, that July 30th, 1992, the genesis of the integration effort, that was a meeting about AC-9157. So you're, you're talking, you know, <laughs> you're talking 23 years of shenanigans on on unnamed aircraft. At the time, drones, they were called drones at the time, and then they went to UAVs and, you know, UAS, and now we're moving into R-Pass and yada, yada, unicorns, whatever you want to call them. But you can see that there's a lot of different work here. Um, a lot of this work, too, you know, some of this has already been done. And that was one of the, the points with this integration timeline is for people to kind of look at it and go, you know, when you hear, oh, we need data or, oh, we need to do this, you can go back on the timeline and you can start looking at this. You know, Access 5 back there in two, 2004 
Arcoas for yep. uh, Global Hawk back in 2000, pardon me, 2003. You know, uh, I mean, you know, this, this goes way back. And all of this stuff, you know, we we came in, I remember that it was 2005 on this deal. Um, you know, and they were talking, you know, about like integration in 2009. So we're not there yet, but uh, it ought to be interesting. Uh, a lot of... It's a lot of positive stuff in the NPRM, and uh, and I guess we never really talked about that. Though, what do, what do you what do you? I know I have feelings about, let's say, the manned aviation side, but what do you think some of the potential pushback might be, Gene? Well, I, I, again, I'm so surprised that uh, the AOPA and and Alpa haven't, you know pushed back even harder than they have. If you read some of the comments and some of the things there, manned aviation. Uh, unfortunately, is is suffering a decline. Uh, general aviation uh, trained pilots have have dropped significantly because it's just so expensive and laden with regulations to, that it's difficult to get through it. Uh, and you know, there there was even a push. I don't know if you recall, but uh, they were talking about making uh, uh, a pilot's license uh, much easier to get and wouldn't take much more than getting your driver's license and uh, you wouldn't even have to get a medical to try to get pilots back into the airspace again. So, you know, I, I think they may be kind of fighting a losing battle there with the, with unmanned aircraft, but uh, I, I think there's going to be segregation. There's going to be airspace segregation that uh, manned aviation is probably not going to like. Uh, I really don't think that the NPRM is going to come out the other end looking anything like it is today. To be honest with you, I, I think there's the there's going to be some pretty significant forces exerted on that particular document to change it significantly. Uh, that's just my view of it, and I, I'm going to make a little prediction here. I'm going to bet that just like the model aircraft comment period, I bet you the UA comment period is going to be extended. That's my prediction. I, I like all those predictions, and I concur with all those predictions. I will say one other thing, though. Talking to aviation people and the FAA people and whatever else, <clears throat> you know, uh, this this demographic is really kind of an interesting thing. I mean, the, the demographic of the people that read the SUS News is primarily from about 25 on the outside to 40. That is the main demographic, um, which puts me outside of that. I, I guess, uh, you know, I've been at it for that long, but, uh, you know, puts me outside the demographic. Anyway, you talk to people. I talk to people at the California Ag Aviation Association. They're proud about being, of being pilots and flying around. Younger people, uh, you know, uh, even like my assistant, you know, she's like, I, I got student loan debt. You know, I don't have $10,000 to go get a pilot's license, and I don't care. I'll watch it on the screen. So the younger generation is is grown up watching it on the screen and doing it virtually. They don't care, you know. Um, and and the people that are proud about being pilots, you know, yeah, that's great and all, but uh, that's that's an old notion. It's an expensive notion. But I will say this with the MPRM, I think that the manned groups are, have put out some statements. I do believe they're thinking, well, this is probably safer than what's transpiring today in the NAS, which we contended up since two thousand and four. Um, you know, if you had something out there, so I think there's some of that, but on the other hand, I cannot see uh, a situation where we don't have hard pushback because 
let's say anything that a manned aircraft can do business-wise that a drone can do now, there is just no way on God's green earth you would be able to compete. Being a man, you might as well just pack it in and go sell your aircraft. There's just no way. With all the regulation and the licensing and, and, and everything else and the cost associated with um, you know, keeping the, the aircraft registered and certified, and all that, it's just no contest. So I cannot believe that all of these groups are going to take this one laying down. Do you agree or disagree? Well, you and you can't discount. I agree, and you can't discount the fact that uh, there is the door is still open for the commercial unmanned side to fall under the same sort of owner's regulation that is out right now for uh, general aviation. So, you know, it could be just as difficult. It could be just as expensive in the uh, in the long run. So, you know, that, don't be so quick to say that. <laughs> It couldn't happen because I believe it could. And the one last thing I wanted to touch on before we end, and we only have a few minutes left. Um, you know, I know you've been out there working the ECOA thing, and the ECOA yes. has been heralded as the, you know, the cure-all to, let's say, for those missing um, out there in the hinterlands, maybe you could tell us what your experience has been with the ECOAs. But, yeah, give us an overview. Sure. And, you know, folks know that I do a lot of search and rescue stuff, and we have continued to do that, and we have continued to do it with the uh, the approval of the FAA. Interestingly enough, though, the last couple of COAs that we've got, ECOAs that we've gotten, understanding COA, uh, the the first one uh, took them 23 hours to uh, uh, to approve. And the, the second one that we just did here recently a couple of weeks ago here in Texas uh, it took them from first contact to us flying. It was 19 hours, so they did improve. They did improve. However, you know, in an exigent circumstance where you really need to get out there and fly, 24 hours is a long time to be in the cold, in the woods, lost when it's 22 degrees, which has been kind of stupid around here with that, that kind of temperatures. Um, Let me just so that's still not working. Do you have any advice for those that plan on getting lost? Is there any hours that you shouldn't get lost? Are there days you should? Get lost? Uh, and yes, yeah, the nice lead-in question there. I was contacted at 8:30 in the evening, and uh, as I tried to go through the emergency process um, and did get to talk to DC after I woke someone up by about uh, 9:30 Central Time, which was 11:30 there, I was told that you know what, there's nobody in the office and. You're going to have to wait until 8 o'clock Eastern tomorrow so we can get this thing approved. So don't get lost at night. Don't get lost on the weekends. Uh, it could be problematic to get the, uh, the old ECOA through to go help you out there. But, uh, you know, hopefully that's that's going to change. And uh, we're, we're looking to work with them and, and uh, uh, get that changed so that we can go out and do a little bit different. I'm sorry to laugh about something so serious, but uh, it is kind of funny because I know that's, you know, usually when most people get lost is, you know, during business hours, I usually get lost on my way to the post office or the bank or, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> downtown. Uh, and, 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 you know, and, and, and I am just, I'm relating true experience and, and facts here. It's not, I'm not trying to embellish anything. This is what happened. And, and, Right, wrong, or indifferent, it's it is the way it is. And 
unfortunately, if you're lost, it it could be life threatening. I'm sorry. That's I, I hate to be dramatic about it, but when it's 22 degrees and you're 11 years old and you're in your pajamas, lost, um, you know, it's you're looking at a pretty critical situation. Yeah. Well. Yeah, again, I don't want to make light of that situation because that is critical, but uh, I, I, it is, it, it's kind of, uh, it's interesting. But anyway, I, I appreciate the insight from that, Gene. Again, it's another, uh, you know, information-packed half hour on the, the podcast, and we've got to do more. It's just really busy with the uh, expo and <laughs> yeah. all the other projects that are going on. I mean, geez, Louise. But anyway, yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll have to try and do another one before the the expo. But you're coming out. You're going to do the SAR uh, workshop. Yes. We don't have the sign up for that. It's included with the price of admission. You got to hear it. Last year, people were standing out in the hallway, and you were giving them the uh, the straight stuff. And I, I hope we're going to get that again this year. Well, I know we are. It's Gene Robinson. <laughs> and uh, okay, Gene. Well, you know that's enough for this week. Hopefully, maybe we can do this next week. Well, no, I'm in uh, Montreal for the IKO thing, so we can't do it next week. But soon, soon, we will do it again. Thank soon. you, sir, for, for being on. Keep the right day. stick back. All right. Talk to you later. Adios. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.